I don't know about you, but I don't know what I've enjoyed more, the hymn sing or Amy reading scripture. <laughs> and the announcements. It's been enjoyable. Thank you. Well, it is good to, uh, to be with you uh, this morning. We are partaking in Holy Communion uh, after the message, and so if you have not gotten a chance to get your elements, they're out on the table in the back, so I just wanted to, to, uh, to make you aware of that. So we are continuing in our sermon series, Divine Encounters, and uh, this morning we're going to spend some time in Acts. And uh, in the book of Acts, we know that Paul took three missionary journeys. And today, uh, we're going to have a look in what he experienced on his second missionary journey. So we know that, that Paul and Barnabas uh, had set out, but then at some point, they parted ways. We're not exactly sure all what was involved with that, uh, but they parted ways. And Silas joined uh, Paul for this second journey. And in Lystra, they met a disciple named Timothy. And Paul wanted to take Timothy along uh, with he and Silas on the journey. And, and Tim Timothy, as uh, we're reminding through the pages of scripture, he came to his faith through the influence of his mother and his grandmother. And many of us have uh, people in our family uh, that have introduced uh, us to the Lord as well. And so these three men, they set out and they traveled together, and one of their stops was in Philippi, and that's where we're going to spend some time this morning. And as I was reflecting uh, on this encounter and, and how um, Silas and Timothy, they met, they met or Silas and Paul, met Timothy and invited him to come with them, I, I was thinking about our faith journey, right? Who are the people that we invite uh, to join us on our Christian journey? You know, we're not meant to do this alone. Uh, so who are those people in our lives that, that we're walking with the Lord with? And, and so uh, I just want to share a bit of a background of, of this uh, passage uh, where they encounter someone named Lydia. And they're in Philippi, and uh, it was uh, on the Sabbath, and they had gone outside the city gate to uh, the river to find a place of prayer. And they met this woman named Lydia, and scripture tells us that she was a dealer of fine purple cloth and that she was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and she and her household were baptized. Again, divine encounters is what we're talking about in this series, and not only did the uh, early church have these divine encounters, but we still have these divine encounters today, and I pray that the Lord speaks to all of our hearts this morning as we have come to encounter him. You see, Lydia, she had this quiet, yet profound divine encounter. And our, our story continues uh, with another divine encounter that takes place in prison. Uh, Amy had, had mentioned uh, this in the scripture that she shared. And we're reminded that God can and will meet us anywhere. Amen? Amen. So uh, again, with us, I was going to spending some time in the, in the prison narrative this morning. I thought it would be good to lighten things up with a little humor. Anybody want a little humor this morning? All right. Very good. Very good. Okay. Here we go. An old farmer wrote to his son, who was in prison. This year I won't be able to plant potatoes because I can't dig the field. I know if you were here, you would help me. The son wrote back, Dad, don't even think of digging the field because that's where I buried all the money that I stole. <laughs> of course, the police read the letter. And the very next day, they went out to the field and they dug up the whole field looking for the money, but nothing was found. The next day, the son wrote again, now plant your potatoes, Dad. It's the best I can do from here. <laughs> I thought that was cute. 
You know it's good when, you, when you're looking up jokes and you read and you're laughing out loud by yourself. You know it's going to be good. So we're going to continue on. Um, after Paul um, had met with uh, Lydia, uh, they continued to stay in Philippi. And Paul and Silas encountered a young girl who had a demon in her that kept annoying Paul. I think this is so funny when I read this in scripture. I'm like, okay, we get annoyed. Paul got annoyed. It's okay that we get annoyed sometimes. So here are these words from Acts 16, starting in verse 16. Once we were going to the place of prayer where we met where we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. As we reflect on this passage, if we really look at the situation and problem, the boys, they, they were charged with unlawful customs and causing quite the disruption and ultimately the loss of money. Casting out demons in the name of Jesus uh, was, was uh, something that they weren't wild about. And they didn't like the name of Jesus and the cost that it brought. Religion and faith has changed so much over the decades. It used to be a commonplace that we would attend church every Sunday. It's what you did on Sundays. And a common question you would ask your friends or your neighbors or friends at school was, what church do you go to? Not do you go to church, but which church do you go to? And Billy Graham, he, uh, he carried the mantle of the evangelist, and there was a reverence for God and his word. Christianity is the religion of America, but now we see radical division uh, in our country and in Christianity and the rise of other religions. We live in a society where anything goes and we have to be careful that we don't offend anyone and having faith in Christ is going to require a greater boldness, I believe, in the future. And I believe that will come at a cost. So we pick back up in our passage and things were getting hard for Paul and Cyrus. Cyrus, Silas, where did Cyrus come from? <laughs> Silas, pick up in verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer com was commanded to guard them very carefully. When they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Very, very painful. I'm not much of a, a prison movie kind of gal. Some of you may be surprised by that. Uh, but I do love the movie Shawshank Redemption. Anybody seen Shawshank Redemption? Such a good film. Uh, I have to walk out of the room at certain scenes of that movie. Uh, but, it, but it had uh, stars Tim Robbins, uh, who was the character Andy, and Morgan Freeman, gotta love Morgan Freeman, uh, who played the character Red. And uh, the character of Red always had a way of getting things, right, if you needed something. And so Andy had requested uh, these posters of women. And back in the day, this was set in the 60s, so he had requested Rita Hayworth, right, Raquel Welch. Any of you young people that are watching don't know who that is. 
Um, but he, they would, he wanted to put them up on the wall uh, in his prison cell. He also requested a, a small rock hammer. He had a hobby of uh, sculpting uh, rocks and then also his Bible. And there's a scene in, in the movie where there's this uh, surprise prison, prison cell search and the guards don't find anything. And then uh, at this moment, the warden is holding on to Andy's Bible and, and he hands it back to him. Uh, which Andy was very glad that he was doing that. And he says to him, salvation lays within. Salvation lays within. And we find out at the end of the movie uh, what the posters hid and that the salvation, anti-salvation came from the word, but it also came from a small rock hammer. So the movie was filmed at the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, just, just up the road on uh, 71. And I want to share just a little bit of the history about that facility. By the early 1960s, the state had pulled uh, financial support for the uh, reform reformatory and began uh, converting it to a maximum security uh, facility, a purpose that this facility was not intended for. And by the 1980s, the conditions had deteriorated to the point where the inmates sued the state of Ohio. I don't know how that works. How does an inmate sue the state of Ohio? But the lawsuit was successful, and construction began on a new modern facility nearby. The uh, reformatory was finally closed in 1990, and it sat empty for several years um, until uh, local activists rallied to purchase the building from the state. Anybody know how much they paid for that facility? One dollar. One dollar. And uh, they, they committed to repairing and restoring this historic uh, facility. So the, uh, the reformatory houses the official Ohio State Corrections uh, History Museum, and it also hosts numerous special events um, throughout the year. And as of 2018, it welcomed more than 120,000 visitors per year. It's quite the attraction. And uh, several years ago, my brother went up there uh, for a concert, and he was able to uh, walk around and see some of, the, uh, some of the rooms inside the building, and he said it was really eerie. So, but it draws, like I said, quite, quite a, a crowd. So the goal of the institution back in the day was truly to reform and rehabil rehabilitate its inmates. Uh, and they received three things when they were in the Ohio State Reformatory. The first was religion, uh, the second was education, and the third was a trade. And uh, inmates uh, were admitted for 18 months, and if they showed progress, they were released. If not, they would stay another 18 months. Uh, and it was successful. It was very successful at that time. And, and I got thinking about the Apostle Paul, and, and uh, he learned a trade of being a tent maker. Whenever he would travel city to city, he would make tents. That's how he made the income for himself uh, to be able to care for himself. And he was educated. He was trained to be a Pharisee. And then he spent his uh, ministry building up churches. And then we know he spent a lot of time in prison, right? We know he spent a lot of time in prison. A lot of his epistles were written uh, from the prison walls. And I believe that we still have so much to learn, but I think it's best to stay out of prison. Amen? Amen. So I, I'm going to take just a, a side detour here, so uh, bear with me. I uh, love watching this series uh, on an app and on YouTube. It's called The Chosen. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of The Chosen, uh, but I would encourage you, you could, uh, again, watch it on YouTube, and you can uh, watch it on an app on any of your uh, devices. But it's crowdsourced, and it's funded uh, by those that pay to watch. And you don't have to pay to watch, 
but it's a way that helps them to be able to continue to produce it for the masses to be able to see it. And it, uh, it follows Jesus' ministry and also his disciples, and uh, it's just so well done. I would just really encourage you to, uh, to check that out. And it gives us a lot of backstories of what things could be. And in fact, uh, later this summer, I'm going to do a Bible study, a small group on this series. So I'd encourage you to, to stay tuned for that. Uh, I love the actor that portrays Jesus. He's just so uh, relatable. And then the character that plays Peter is just quick-witted, and he's as you would imagine him in Scripture. And so the last couple of episodes that I've watched, they introduced John the Baptist, the character John the Baptist. And it's so funny because Peter calls him Creepy John. And I just think it's so funny um, because, you know, the reputation that we glean from the pages of Scripture, and apparently um, they, they gleaned it as well. And so Jesus is having this encounter with John the Baptist, and he's very carefree, free-spirited, and he's off to, to continue his ministry, uh, John is. And uh, he's, he's leaving, and there's this scene that has just stuck with me, and I want to share it with you. And Jesus says to John the Baptist, he says, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Just be sure to listen to God's voice as you do it. And it just absolutely struck me over the head because I think so many times we can question ourselves, we can doubt, God, is this your will? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, I have so many questions. And, and I believe that the Lord is saying to us, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Just be sure to listen to God's voice as you do it. I think we can get so caught up in life and ministry that we forget to listen to God's voice. Paul was guided by God's voice, and God certainly heard Paul's and Silas's voice that night as the clock struck midnight. Hear these words again from Acts 16, picking up in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a, a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains had come loose, and the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He was about to take his own life because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And Paul very quickly shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Scripture tells us that this earthquake happened at midnight. And I don't know about you, but at midnight, I'm hoping to be asleep, right? And it's bedtime, and the jailer is clearly asleep, and I'm sure the prisoners are trying to sleep and maybe shouting expletives to shut up, right? And stop singing, I'm trying to sleep. And then all of a sudden, the earth shook, and the doors flew open, and the chains came loose, and you can imagine. They almost have looked at each other and said, I'm out of here, right? The doors are open, I'm gone. What a sight to behold. And I'm sure that Paul's prayers... Uh, were very different than ours. I don't know about you, but after being beaten so badly, and imagine their pain and their agony and their gaping wounds, and to be shackled in prison, I don't know, I'd have been saying, Lord, help me, take away my pain, or rain down your wrath on these people that have done this to me, but, but they don't, they don't. They sing praises to God. They sing praises to God. What would it look like if we turn our pity into praise? When you hurt, ask God to give you songs in the night. Psalm 42.8 tells us, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. And then Psalm 149.5, Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. The jailer was given a great responsibility to watch over his prisoners. And if any of them escaped, he would suffer 
horribly, maybe even probably death. And that's why he drew his sword, because he thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to suffer. And he was going to take care of it himself. And, and Paul knew it. And he said, stop, you know, you don't have to worry. We're all here. Paul and Silas could have left, but they didn't. What situation are you in that God wants you to stay when everything in you says run for the door? What situation are you in that God wants you to stay when everything in you says run for the door? You see, the earthquake wasn't to set them free, it was to set another free, the jailer. God got his attention. Hear these words from verse 29. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them in to his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because what he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. What must I do to be saved? It's simple. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I think sometimes that we can make it so hard Many of us suffer from thinking that we can only save ourselves. And let me just tell you, that burden is heavy to carry. The jailer had this earthquake conversion moment, and he went from causing these wounds to washing these wounds. Sometimes it's hard to say, I'm sorry. It takes humility and it's humbling. And if done with all sincerity, it's freeing. Some of us are in chains, not physically visible, yet they're heavy. And they can be paralyzing, and they keep us from moving forward. What must I do to be saved, to be set free in Christ? I've been thinking so much of this analogy of, of chains, and I don't know about you, but for the past 14 months, some of us have felt chained. And now we have been told that the chains can come off. But for some of us, we've got a chain around our ankles, right? Around our feet, and we're moving a little bit slow. But that's okay, a step at a time, a step at a time. So how is God getting your attention through divine encounters? God spoke to Timothy through the influence of his mother and his grandmother. God spoke to Lydia through a quiet conversation with Paul. And God spoke to the jailer through this amazing earthquake. So where is God? Where is God? He's right here with you. Do you see him? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where walls have been built up around us and we find ourselves again in chains. But God is stronger and can break any chain and tear down any wall. There's a song that I love. It's called Break Every Chain. I want to share just some of the words. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's an army rising up to break every chain. You know that armies start small. Timothy, Lydia, Paul, Silas, the jailer, were not meant to live this life alone. So what are the chains that are binding you? There could be chains of 
bondage, of addiction, of fear, of sickness, of disease, of debt, of doubt. What are the chains that bind you? I uh, shared earlier, just trying to be vulnerable with, with you, um, I struggle with um, overeating. I'm a stress eater. I don't know if anybody else is an emotional eater. I'm an emotional eater. And so COVID, it was, um, it was, it was a great time to overeat because <laughs> I was like, oh, let's go to the pantry today. Um, and, and so I have wrestled, though, with my weight for, for a long time, for all my life, really. And so in October, I made this decision. I said, I have got to break this chain. God, you've got to help me break this chain of bondage because I don't know about you, but you feel miserable when you're overweight. And so um, over the past six months, I've lost 25 pounds. And I share that with you only because, no, no. But to God's glory, right, we've all got chains, and you have chains, I have chains, and we need to be so steadfast in our prayer to say, God, we need you to break off these chains from, from all of us. And like I said, they're different chains, and they come in many ways, shapes, and forms, especially coming out of what we're coming out of. So I want to pray for God to direct our steps to loosen the chains that bind us and to praise him. So how do your prayers and your, ref and your songs reflect your suffering? Paul and Silas didn't wait until God had delivered them from prison before they began to praise him. And we shouldn't wait until God delivers us before we worship him. Amen? Amen. Put a praise on it. You see, once, uh, I want to share this, this quote from Graham Cook. It says, you get saved once, but you get redeemed every day. Praise the Lord. I have been redeemed and set free. So what happened to, uh, to Lydia and to the jailer and to his family? They started a new church. They were a new church start, and they experienced the joy of the Lord because they were set free from their chains. We're going to uh, take a moment to, uh, to watch a video, and at the conclusion of that video, we're going to remain seated. And Jeff will then cue us after the video uh, to sing uh, our hymn of response, number 349. So you can go ahead and get that ready. But I don't want you to miss—I uh, don't want you to miss this video. <laughs> 